You are listening to Germantown Community Radio, WRGU 92.9 FM. Welcome to the Jumpstart Philly Real Estate Radio Show, a monthly radio program that spotlights positive real estate development and neighborhood revitalization throughout Philadelphia. Jumpstart Philly is a unique community development program that trains, mentors, networks, and provides funding to aspiring real estate developers throughout the entire city, including Germantown, where the program was founded. Jumpstart believes that you can do well by doing good and focuses on removing neighborhood blight, scattered site rehab, and creating a healthy mix of affordable and market rate housing and avoiding gentrification through slow, steady growth. Interviews are conducted during Jumpstart Germantown's Jumpinar series held on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. via Zoom webinar or in person at our office. For more information about these events, check out the events page at jumpstartgermantown.com. This episode features a discussion with Sarah Point-Dexter, a principal engineer with landscape architecture and design firm Studio Sustaina, and Brett Feldman, an attorney with Claire Harrison, Harvey Brandsburg. We talk about the significance of landscape zoning laws, their historical context in Philadelphia, and key zoning requirements that aspiring developers need to be aware of. I hope you enjoy the conversation, and be sure to check out the podcast version of this program at jumpstartgermantown.com slash media. We're, we're sounding oh, better? Yeah. Okay, yep, good. we're good. Okay, great. So, Sarah Poindexter, I'm actually um, a civil engineer with Studio Sustena. We provide an integrated site design approach, um, which we include civil engineering and landscape architecture. Um, and we apply both um, skills to land development projects within Philadelphia, mm-hmm. ranging from single family homes, um, commercial projects, up to institutional healthcare and, um, and, and universities. Um, so excited to be here tonight. Great, thanks Sarah. And Brett, why don't you introduce yourself? Sure, um, uh, good evening. And uh, first, just uh, Derek, thank you for, for inviting me. Um, it's, uh, I really appreciate the opportunity to to speak uh, in front of this program. I've I've been following this program and uh, uh, for a number of years, and uh, I'm real honored to be part of this. And uh, Sarah, thanks for uh, thanks for asking me to, to to team up with you tonight. So uh, again, Brett Brett Feldman, uh, I'm a land use and zoning attorney uh, here in Philadelphia. I live in the city. I live over in uh, West Philly, University City. Uh, two kids, two dogs, and uh, I've I'm, I'm a partner at the law firm of Claire Harrison. Uh, I guess it's, I've been doing this now for, for 20 plus years and uh, really have had the opportunity to work on, you know, small projects uh, to some of the largest projects in the city and kind of everything in between. And, uh, um, you know, it's, it's exciting to, uh, you know, to have a chance to address um, maybe folks who are starting out uh, because uh, as, I, as I think I told Sarah and uh, Derek when we had one of our prep sessions, one of my largest clients uh, started off doing a single family home and he called me up and he said, Hey, I need, I need, I need your help to, to go to the zoning board because I need a nine foot rear yard and I only have seven and a half. Can you help me? So, um, really, you know, whenever, whenever you're starting, wherever you're starting from, um, uh, you know, there's, there's a, a great opportunity out there. Uh, what I do is I help, um, I help developers, I help businesses, I help, uh, you know, uh, homeowners, uh, um, you know, uh, get all the approvals that they need to get a zoning permit or a building permit, uh, and uh, uh, have a chance to you know go in front of the zoning board, the historical commission, the art commission, city planning, uh, and work with uh, a number of uh, professionals, architects, and um, you know civil engineers uh, like Sarah uh, on on a whole range of projects here in, in Philadelphia. So I'll stop right there. 
All right. Thank you so much. It's it's great to have both of you tonight. And uh, let's spare no time and, and get into the topic tonight. Um, and first, I think our, our topic aligns heavily with Studio Sustainas' mission, you know, as a landscape architecture, um, you know, business. Why don't you tell us uh, what is, you know, your mission? What does it mean? And then also a little bit about Studio Sustainas' past projects, um, uh, some that people might be very, very familiar with around the city. Sure. Um so, you know, our firm actually started out with green roof design. Our founder um, actually brought the technology from Germany um, uh, to the United States, and so 25 years ago. Um, and since then, um, the company has expanded its services to not only include on-structure landscape, but also on-ground landscape. And now we've expanded our civil engineering services as well to not just include design, but permitting. Um, we like to differentiate ourselves by being a design-led firm. So often, when, you know, you'll see civil engineering firms that provide landscape architecture. We think of ourselves as landscape architecture that provides civil engineering. It's it's really about the um, the, the urban design of the project, um, the biophilic um, um, benefits that we're able to provide, um, and and how we can make the city better through through good design. Um, so that's really our mission. Great. And then uh, I, mean, uh, I, I was telling Brett right before the, we started that my uh, b biggest, I guess, trademark studio sustainer project that I recognized was uh, the Sierra Green uh, by Drexel, where I went mm -hmm. to college, and then also the 3.0 um, University Place, where I lived on the block right around the corner and uh, was woken up by the construction site many mornings for two years. <laughs> but uh, it's really cool to see that on your website and see that beautiful green roof you did there. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about like the history of projects you've done and your experience kind of working in this integrated civil engineering plus landscape architecture world? Sure. So, I mean, one of the most exciting things about Sierra Green, the project that you mentioned, is that it we're, we were able to layer lots of benefits and requirements within one space. So while it looks like, um, you know, just from somebody visiting, it's a beautiful open space area for the community to, to get together. It's actually a very complex stormwater management system. Um, it's, you know, a green roof layered on what, you know, what we call kind of a pancake cistern, which is a blue roof essentially holding water underneath that green space. Um, and then, you know, there, there's actually, you know, mature trees on the roof. And if you can imagine, like, the, the wind um, uh, forces that happen above there, like, it takes a lot to really understand how to make sure that a tree is, um, is settled correctly, that it won't blow over. So a lot of engineering goes into that, where it might look like a landscape architecture project. Um, there's a lot of design um, and, and technical uh, support that goes in, into putting a project like that together. Um, you mentioned 3.0. Um, we're also currently working on um, a, a few different commercial projects. One by um, the Frankfurt Transportation Center, where it's a um, a grocery store and a healthcare with affordable housing above and a, a parking lot. Maybe more of a traditional type commercial project. Um, and it's been especially interesting to apply these uh, requirements that we're going to talk about tonight. Um, uh, to this project because it's such a large parcel and how to really benefit from the amount of trees, the amount of landscaping required for a parcel this size and to, to do it in a strategic way that it can be used as kind of a community open space. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah. so yeah, that's, that's 
you know, the approach that we take um, to, to projects is how can we creatively combine different requirements, whether it be stormwater or landscape requirements. Um, there's even a density bonus that's offered by the city for green roofs. So how can we kind of layer all these requirements and, and create something really special? Awesome. Great. Thank you. And speaking of the logistics side of things, right, like how are we going to do this, you know, with the with all the parties that we have to get to agree to do it. <laughs> Let's shift over to Brett. And Brett, why don't you tell us about your firm and, and uh, you know, what, what you do on a day-to-day -day basis and, and sort of what legal work are you typically doing, you know, outside of projects with Studio Sustaina? Yeah, sure. So so I work for a, uh, you know, 100-person law firm and we do, you know, a law firm does litigation. They do, it's a full-service law firm, uh, but we have a large, um, a large real estate department uh, that handle financing, that handle transactions. Um, and then within that real estate department, there's a, a kind of a group of us who actually handle mostly Philadelphia, a lot of Philadelphia-based land use and zoning, which is, again, um, what does that mean? It's someone comes to me and says, hey, I want to build, you know, I want to build a building. I want to build a, I want to build a restaurant. Um, I want to convert my, you know, an old office building or an old factory building to apartments. What are all the different city approvals uh, that I might need in order to get a zoning permit? Uh, and then with that zoning permit, you know, then you get a building permit. You, you know, you, you do the construction, you get a certificate of occupancy. You know, and you, and you move to occupancy. So, you know, within that land use and zoning bucket, it, it's um, working with license and inspections. Um, if a property is historic, we have to, you know, obtain the approvals from uh, the historic commission. Uh, I would just tell anyone who's out there working in the city, make sure that the property, you know, that you're working on, you know, find out whether it's historic. Uh, there's been a lot of new new additions um, to the the register, so you know that's something to take a look at. Um, there's a lot of approvals that need to come from the art commission for signage. Um, there's a lot of approvals that need to come from the, the city planning commission if you're changing lots moving lot lines, uh, facade reviews, landscaping, as we'll talk about. City planning has become the lead uh, agency on landscaping. And um, over, you know, over the number of years, I've had a chance to work on, again, a number, a range of projects where, you know, we've had to obtain some of those approvals or all those approvals. Um, you know, some of them you might know, I, I did a lot of the work with, uh, you know, this is going back some time now for Toll Brothers over, you know, Naval Square, which was, and that, that was a huge project kind of for that whole part of the city um, that showed a lot of confidence in that part of the city. And then I think led to a tremendous amount of development over there. Um, it worked on that, uh, a number of shopping centers and probably maybe the one that maybe some of the folks uh, on the call tonight know, uh, there's a new Subaru deal, a huge, a huge, massive Subaru dealership uh, in Philadelphia, right off of 76 as you come into the city, uh, a Subaru dealership that uh, I, I had the opportunity to, to work on that. So if you come into 76, right on that University Avenue exit, there's a like a seven-story, six-story Subaru dealership that looks like something out of Manhattan. Um, uh, that was one of those top. I live like not even less than 10 blocks away from there. So I'm very familiar. Pass it, 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 is, it, is, it is, you know, I worked, I, I, people say like, what was one of the coolest projects you've ever worked on? It was that one um, because it was just so different than anything I had worked on. And we had to go through all those different city agencies. We worked with all the community groups. We worked with all the elected officials, which I, you know, I neglected to say, but that's part of this. Um, and then again, you know, uh, with the civil engineers, the architects, engineers, landscape, um, you know, to go from, you know, A all the way to Z to getting that zoning permit, getting that building permit uh, and, and moving on with the project. So, uh, 
it, it's really cool at the end to be able to you know drive past something and say, hey, I had a chance to work on that. And you know, I think most of the stuff that Sarah and I work on, you know, we're really proud of uh, the, the type of work that we've done. Yeah. So tell me a little bit more about uh, the type of work that you do with Sarah, and and you know, if there's any specific projects you worked on together you want to highlight, or um, you know, just what's your relationship? How do you guys kind of get things done together? Yeah, I, I I don't know if I can like specifically talk about the specific project. No but worries. I, I can give you a you know I, I I should have asked the client. He probably he probably <laughs> would have no problem with it. But understood. So it, understood. It's, <laughs> it's it's you know near the near the river. Um, it is a um historical um a complex of old historical buildings that were used uh um for you know storage and cold storage and um um probably a, a very exciting project he's 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 redeveloping building after building uh instead of needing to demolish those buildings is coming up with adaptive reuses um for uh you know storage for residential for mixed use uh and uh, uh one of these projects within this kind of you know assemblage of, of buildings properties uh sarah and i are working together on a, a construction of a new building um and uh with that you know all the engineering issues uh all this the site issues and the landscaping issues so that i think what kind of brought us together on that project was was uh was that project and cool. um and it's you know now that there's new landscaping requirements that we'll talk about you know that kind of made us uh, look at that project um uh, and work with the different city agencies to, to move forward okay great um and, and another question for you Brett. Just, oh, go ahead go ahead oh i just i just want to add i think like the the role of um you know zoning attorney civil engineer landscape architect is strategy you know like we kind of behind the scenes we're like okay you know which codes apply how do we interpret yeah. them how do we want to strategize to get this through? And that's really like the behind, you know, and once when you find somebody that you really work well together, it's like stick with them because, yeah. you know, that's going to be the best way to kind of get through a project quickly and to, to navigate a pretty, um, you know, difficult process in the city. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let, let's kind of shift focus to zoning specifically now. And um, this is, I, I saw a couple of our current jump starters in the fall 2023 class on the call, and they would uh, be very interested to have this discussion because they spent about 20 minutes derailing the conversation for uh, zoning questions during our, our class the other day. Um, so, so I'm happy we're here and we, and we can really dig into a specific type of these zoning questions. Um, but first, let, let's Brett, if you could describe sort of the historical context of, of like, I know that's a huge ask, <laughs> historical context of zoning in Philadelphia, but specifically in the case of in uh, landscaping, right? Like, um, why do, do certain neighborhoods look certain ways and, and have yeah. more green space and less green space? So what's the what's the timeline like here with um, getting us to where we are in this city with like the, the frustrating world of, of zoning approval that we, we work with? Yeah, probably 12 questions in there. So I, I, I'm not sure exactly where to start. But here's what I would say is, so for a long time, um, I don't think there was a tremendous amount of focus on landscaping, on um, stormwater management, on, you know, uh, trees, um, maintaining trees, planting the trees. And, and a lot of that was, um, you know, a lot of the work that was being done in the city was, you know, you're, you're, you're taking an old building and you're converting it. Or, it's a lot that there, there aren't a lot of trees on, you know? So, um, you know, and a lot of it also was, you know, we, we were, I think so hungry for development that, 
you know, a lot of these issues, we, hey, we were just happy something was happening, um, you know, to, to, to move development ahead. And, uh, you know, uh, I mean, again, Sarah could, you know, certainly on the, the stormwater management, but over, obviously over the last 10, 15 years, there's been a much bigger focus on uh, stormwater management on, you know, we've got this combined system where, you know, we saw what happened in New York City was it last Friday. Um, you, you know, we've got, a, I guess, a pretty similar system, you know, all the water basically uh, it all kind of goes into, you know, one system and when it's overwhelmed, it, you know, it goes into the Delaware, goes into the Schuylkill and that's just something we can't, you know, we can't have long-term. So there's been a much bigger focus on, on, on landscaping. Um, I would say in the last couple of years, um, you know, there's always been a focus on street trees. Uh, there's always been a focus on, you know, in shop in new shopping centers, you know, you have to have a certain amount of landscaping, you know, in the parking lot. So there's, it's always been in the code, but in the last couple of years, there's been some of these new mega projects. Um, some of them, you know, some of the some of the big industrial projects that have happened in the city, um, where ten acres, eight acres, and there was a lot of trees, uh, and it's really kind of taken a, a, a big focus now on, um, you know, how do we we want development, but how do we do it in a way that's responsible? If we're taking trees down. How do we um, make sure we're either going to replant them on site, we're going to replant them, you know, an adjacent property, or we're going to, you know, pay into a a, a, a fee in lieu, a, a fund to plant trees somewhere else, uh, and that's, you know, that's what kind of gave rise to this new, um, you know, tree landscaping uh, requirements, um, you know, that that really is just in the last year, um, and you know, that in development world, we're all kind of, you know, still trying to understand. It's it's simple if you're starting with an it's a little bit simple if you're starting with a, a you know a, a new property you know you're starting from scratch but so much of what we do in Philadelphia is it's taking an existing site retrofitting it a shopping center renovating it you know Sarah and I this project that we're working on you know all these new buildings putting a new building in so it gets more complicated actually how do you apply it but that's kind of you know I think the the timeline over the last ten or fifteen years to get us to where we are um, you know in the city and you know a greater environmental consciousness. Awesome. That's great. And Sarah, do you have anything to add to that? Um, yeah, I guess just that um, I, I did read earlier that the, the program is, I guess, over the next 30 years to get 30% of Philadelphia covered by tree canopy. And I think it's like 20% now, but there's been a huge decrease in the last um, 10, 15 years. And especially in um, you know, neighborhoods that have had a lot of demolition or, or um, you know, turnover, um, trees aren't being replanted. And so you'll see neighborhoods without trees. And I guess during their studies, they measured that there was up to 22 degrees difference in, in temperature in the neighborhoods that didn't have trees. So there's like a, an equity issue with this too um, that I think is trying to be resolved through these new rules. Um, yeah. Great. So what, what's, um, Brett, back to you, what city departments and agencies are sort of the ones behind this discussion and making, you know, these decisions on the city side of things? Uh, is it just the zoning commission? Is it uh, other departments um, outside of that? No, most of, most of what's, what's, what's happening now is um, the, again, so there's this new tree, there's these new tree requirements, new landscaping requirements um, that add on to what was there before. Um, the city planning commission, I would say 85, 90% of those uh, requirements 
they're the ones now doing the main review um, for, um, you know, uh, again, uh, if you're taking trees down, working with, um, you know, uh, arborists and engineers and, and, and developers on, um, you know, do the tree ne trees need to be replaced? Where, if, if so, where? Um, so it's a lot of the city planning commission. LNI has some more limited role um, on, you know, if you just kind of come in and you're not building anything, you're just clearing large areas of trees, it's, it's a little more of an LNI role. Um, mm -hmm. Also parks and rec, um, there is a, there's a, a fund. Um, if, if you can't, if you have a hardship, if you're not able to replant those trees or some of that landscaping, um, there's a fund now where you would pay into and you say, hey, I can't, you know, a fee in lieu, I can't replace the trees um, on site or, or adjacent. Um, I'm going to pay, you know, X amount of dollars for those trees. Uh, and there's a fund that is, um, you know, getting off the ground now that is, I believe, run out of parks and rec, which as Sarah talked about, is trying to um, look at other neighborhoods and say, hey, how do we increase that tree canopy? You know, we know where I live, there's a lot of trees. Um, you know, another neighborhood, just plenty of trees, but there's a lot of neighborhoods that have almost no trees. And how do we try to encourage tree tree planting in those neighborhoods? And that's where this uh, innovative fee and lieu um, is being uh, geared and directed to. If you're just tuning in, this is a conversation with Sarah Point Dexter and Brett Feldman about landscape, architecture, design, and zoning in Philadelphia. Thanks for listening to the Jumpstart Philly Real Estate Radio Show on Germantown Community Radio, WRGU 92.9 FM. I hope you're enjoying the discussion. Great, great. Thank you. So thanks for the background. And I think it's always helpful for people to kind of know the reasons why these regulations and, and provisions are in place. Um, sometimes that makes it a little easier to, to, to deal with the, the struggle of going through them. Um, but uh, Sarah, why don't we bring it a little bit uh, closer back to the, the scale of development that Jumpstarters are working at and sort of um, thinking about for a, a first time or maybe up to, you know, with, within someone's first like 10 small residential rehab projects, um, you know, what what thresholds and triggers of improvement, right, should they be concerned that there's going to be special zoning approval required. Um, so for, for these small and mid-level developers, what do you think they should be aware of in terms of what's going to trigger or, or exceed the threshold of special approval? Yeah, so um, the good news is that for lots that are less than 5,000 square feet um, and for single family and two family homes, the majority of these requirements don't apply. Doesn't mean you shouldn't plant a tree, but it does mean that you know the zoning code will not require one. Um, and so, you know, this really does apply to once you get over that five thousand square foot threshold. Okay. So, so, for the sake um, for the sake of our discussion, let's yeah. assume somebody is working on a project that you know has a lot bigger than five thousand square feet and is considering you know removing or adding trees. Sure. So, um, so. Without getting into too many of the specific details, there's two sections of the code that really apply to these types of projects. That's 14705, which is landscape and trees, and then 14803, which applies to parking lots. And um, so for the, the on-site landscape, um, there's different requirements for, for buffers, um, for um, um, 
heritage tree preservation, for existing tree replacement, and then for actually new trees, which is one per 1,600 square foot of development, which is often the most difficult one to, um, to meet because you know, for 5,000 square feet, that's four trees if you're rounding up. Um, and so a lot of times the development just doesn't have the space, but, but that's where you have to get creative. Um, and uh, there's also street tree requirements. So um, again, for single family home, there's not a street tree requirement, but once you have three subdivided lots in a row, that's when street trees are then required. And there's a certain spacing requirement that, that's, um, that's uh, mentioned in the code. Um, par parking lots are similar um, for, for you know, the 5,000 square foot trigger. Um, however, if they're smaller than 5,000 square feet, there's still tree requirements once you have five spots. So there's all these nuances. You might think that, you know, you're off the hook, but then there's one little sentence in there that, you know, you, you might okay. not have read. Right. And that's where um, the experience from me or, or Brett can be helpful in kind of planning for those, those sure. things. Um, is that helpful or is that, does that answer your question? Yes, that, that okay. definitely does. And I think those are things that are, you know, definitely a, that, something that people need to start thinking about now so that when they encounter it later on, they can make an like informed and, and supported decision, like you said, from somebody who is an expert on the topic, rather than just doing something and, you know, suffering the consequences or, you know, like detrimenting the project because of it. So, yeah, thank you. Um, what What about... Uh, filling in an empty lot with new construction. Is there any, um, like, it, 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 does that automatically, so like, even if it's smaller than 5,000 feet, or even if it's... It, so if it's smaller than 5,000 square feet, it does not trigger the code. So um, if, it's, if, it's a, if it's an empty lot, um, now there are still heritage tree requirements. So um, if there's a heritage tree, and, and that's really required. So if you have, I, I think, Brett, you were the one who said this the other day, if there's a tree that's maybe over 24 inches in, yeah, in diameter. Yeah, that's, I guess. What then, you know, yeah, there's a pretty good chance it's a heritage tree, but you have to get an arborist to, to basically um, to, to, to certify the tree and, and to, to um, figure out its health. So, um, so that's. Yeah. And, and these, sorts of, these sorts of like things and decisions, like you can't just Google what a heritage tree looks like, right? And then make it the decision yourself. It's 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 a you need an expert, right? Somebody that's kind of like educated and, and knowledgeable about it, right? That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. I think so, the busiest people in the city right now in this development process are ar arborists. Gotcha. Um, it is unbelievable. Suddenly, um, uh, <laughs> They're, they're just scratching their head right now saying, geez, like now I'm like the most in because they're the ones now increasingly um, who are making these determinations. You know, uh, you got 20 trees on a site and there's those trees. Some of them, you know, we have a lot of trees that I call them weed trees. I mean, it's, it's probably not a great term because it's and Sarah's going to, you know, yell at me later on. But there's these trees that. You know, they started off as no like, invasive tree species. Yeah, I yeah. guess that's what they are. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm not a. You know, I, I got to go back to school a little bit more, but I call them weed trees, and like, and they've been there, and now twenty years later, they're like huge. And the question is, is my project now going to be, uh, you know, impacted because of this? So you have to have, you know, these trained arborists who come out and they say, hey, it's dying, it's diseased, it's invasive. It, it maybe you know it it it, it poses a threat to you know it's hanging over a sidewalk 
Um, and and, if, and if, if those trees fall into those type of categories, then you know you don't you don't really have to replace them. It's it's a much different process. So uh, anyone who's looking to be an arborist, all of a sudden come to Philadelphia right now. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Brett. And and Sarah, I, I, you might have mentioned this, but how about for commercial development? Um, you know, say like is residential 5,000 square foot plus development different than commercial? Is there any different requirements there? So it's um, m most projects that are 5,000 square feet and higher are commercial. Um, so really all types of development that are over 5,000 square feet except for um, agricultural or or projects that are like a part of an environmental remediation project. So mm -hmm. two, two uses that you don't see very often, but any really any other use besides those two. Um, and there, there are some nuances for like industrial projects and so forth. There's some different calculations, but, uh, but they still apply. Got it. Awesome. So um, an another question for you, like, when do you when you come across a project or, or you're looking at, at something and you're like hmm like how are we going to get this done what what is your signal to engage a zoning attorney like brett um are, you know are you involving them like from the very when it's just an idea in your head or are you kind of waiting until you you've gone through some due diligence and, and like, at what stage in that process do you involve the zoning attorney because um i'm, I'm sure it's costly and and uh that you know that might be something to consider for new developers like you know how do i know that the cost benefit of doing this and engaging somebody like brett is going to be um you know valued in the in the end product You know, there's there's a lot of projects where they fit nicely into the zoning code, or you can de design something to to meet the zoning requirements, and those typically don't need an, a zoning attorney. Mm -hmm. um, once the project starts to kind of get into the gray areas of the zoning code, that's usually when I tell the developer, you know, it'd probably be good to get an attorney on to help interpret and to and to navigate this in the best way. Um, because if you aren't able to meet, you know, I think Brett's going to go into this a little bit more. There are opportunities for waivers, um, which he has a lot of experience with. But then there's also when you can't meet the code, there's you can get pushed into the variance process, which is a long process. You meet with the community, you meet with the zoning board of adjustment, um, and and that you know there's sometimes ways to get around that with good design and and with you know strategizing. Um, even there's sometimes when it's appropriate to maybe change the, the zoning of, of the parcel, which takes the support of, you know, the council person in your district and an ordinance change. And that's also something that, you know, a zoning attorney is well versed at, like coordinating and getting the right people in the room and making sure that the language is written correctly to, to make it push through. So as projects become more complex, um, some of the smaller ones have the same issues, but, but, um, it's there is a certain point when once the code doesn't once the project doesn't fit neatly into the code, it's mm -hmm. usually time to to bring on a zoning attorney at least for some. Yeah, and I think that applies for all zoning, right? Like even if it's it's uh you know use zoning or interior alterations or anything like that. Yeah, same same applies. Um, great. So so then my my next question is how about a landscape architect? When do you engage them in the project? If you were a developer, you know, take off your landscape architecture hat and say you're looking at a project and and have this great idea for a green roof or you know some some landscape design, when do you when do you think people should engage you or you know someone like you for their their project? Sure. I can speak from a perspective of a civil engineer who wasn't always in 
a firm with landscape architects. And um, the interesting thing about being a civil engineer is that we're brought in early on on the project because of these zoning requirements. So often we're, you know, thinking through access to the site with, you know, trucks or trash pickup and, you know, how is the site going to operate from an engineering perspective? And then unfortunately, landscape architects tend to come in later in the design once the site's already set. And that can be a real detriment to the project because there's a ton of good ideas that if they were implemented early on and when the site's being laid out, it could just be a better project from a pedestrian, you know, accessibility standpoint, from an aesthetic standpoint, from, you know, a biodiversity standpoint, it might be good things for the stormwater management. So, you know, in my opinion, I, I think that the benefit of having both the landscape architect and the civil at the beginning of a project um, can really um, change, you know, the, the success um, of, of the design. Great. Great. So um, my next question, it's back to you, Brett. Are, are there exceptions to these um, regulations and, and the sort of zoning rules and, and stuff that applies to these projects? Is there differences and exceptions for affordable housing? Um, I, I know a lot of jump starters are looking to develop with, you know, PHA housing choice vouchers or, you know, using yeah. other city mechanisms to provide affordable housing. Uh, what, what exceptions exist in, in your knowledge? Yeah. So if you look at... Um... 14705, which uh, Sarah referenced, you know, that's where that 5,000 uh, foot threshold is um, and some of the other, you know, environmental projects and, uh, you know, things like that. But there are so, um, there are also some provisions in there um, that exempt you out from the landscaping if, um, if 51% or more of the units um, in a residential project will meet uh, the definition of affordable housing. Um, under the Philadelphia code, which you can, you know, you can quibble with whether that's affordable or not, but that's mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not getting into that one tonight. Um, so yeah, so I, I guess what I would say is, um, if, if you are in a pro working on a project that, um, you know, more than 50% of those units are, you know, deemed to be affordable, uh, they're, you're probably exempted out. Uh, again, I, I'm not trying to buy legal, legal guidance there, but, Sometimes just knowing that there's stuff in there is enough to think about it, and, you know, and then and then get further clarification. So that that is an important um, potential exemption. That's great. Great. And uh, how about like specific areas of the city? Are there any sort of geographic boundaries of where there are certain regulations and certain uh, restrictions or, or anything like that? Yeah, um, I believe. You know, I, I should have checked this specifically. Um, the. Um, you know, I'll try to check as we're talking here. I think one of the councilmatic districts was exempted out um, from the provisions. Um, I'll, I'll have to take a look at that. But most, if not all, the city um, now I want to go take a look um, is is exempt is 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 covered here. And I think that the reality is, um, you know, these type of uh, environmental uh, tree and landscaping, um, you know, are, are universally shared uh, th throughout most most of the city. Uh, you know, these concerns. Yeah. Uh, again, that's something that you'd want to look at with, again, with your, you know, your, your engineer, your architect, and you know, your, your, your uh, land use and zoning attorney. Great. And then, so what options does a developer have if the project can't meet these requirements? You know, are there like, um, you know, a, a senses of appeal or or any like process that that's set yeah. in place for that? So, so there is a 
there was a there was an informal process before it's now become more formal there's a waiver process mm -hmm. so let's say for example um you know you're supposed to plant 10 trees um and there's just no room on the site um you know for whatever reason topography or project that sarah and i are working on um there's no sunlight that gets to where there's open space like you know just think about it the, uh, the tree would die so there's um there's a process where or you know you're in a parking lot and you're you know it's an existing shopping center and you're you're changing the drive-through lane and you know you're supposed to have a certain amount of landscape buffer between the drive the drive-through lane and your lot line and you're not going to be able to do it because you know the, the, the drive-through lane is already there and you're just mm -hmm. modifying it but now you're back into you know so there's these it's kind of a, a hardship situation there's just almost no way to comply with the landscaping the landscape buffers the number of trees um so they've opened up this process where you you need to meet with city planning and you you prepare a you know a written you know paragraph two three whatever it is explanation of hey i can't comply with um, you know, the buffer, the landscape buffer requirements because X, Y, and Z. Um, what I'm going to do instead is like, you know, I, on that drive-through lane, I can't do the buffer, the five foot or the 10 foot or whatever it is, but I'm going to put some more landscaping over on another part of the shopping center. Mm -hmm. um, and the planning commission is, uh, has the power now to issue a waiver, uh, exempting you out of the requirement or saying, hey, you know, you're moving that landscape you know, to a different part of the shopping center, a different part of your housing development. Um, so this waiver process is available and then they'll stamp your plans. If it's a situation where you're supposed to plant those 10 trees and that, let's say those, you know, the, the trees, um, you're supposed to plant the trees and you can't plant the trees, then that's where you get put into the, you're away from that requirement, but then you've got to pay you know, I think what is it, a thousand dollars a tree or something like that? You've got to pay into this this tree replenishment fund, and then that's the money that is you know earmarked to go to other parts of the city that don't have trees. So, city planning is is really the ones driving this, um, and um, you know they're still they're working real hard to you know come up with a way to to make this all work so we can have good design, we can have developments, and um, you know we can move forward. Great. So, and and if for that waiver process, do you need to have a zoning attorney to go through that? Is that something that an individual could do? No, I don't. I don't think so. Um, uh, would it, it help? Helps, but it help? but <laughs> yeah. But hey, the reality is 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 you know these these are things that also can be done by you know the civil. They could be done by the landscape architect. Um, gotcha. Could be done by the architect. But you know you have to you got to know all this, right? And that's you know yeah, that's right. my, my 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 job. I don't. I don't draw. I'm not the architect. I don't know where the you know the utility lines are. But you know, as a land, as a zoning attorney, my job is to kind of work with all these amazing professionals uh, and you know keep us moving forward. That's great. Cool. All right. Well, I have one more question here, and then we'll open it up to any live Q and A uh, from the audience that we have. And thanks for everybody for for joining us tonight. I see we have almost thirty people. That's great. Um, the last question I have is for Sarah, and it's sort of a, a bit of a higher level question, bringing it back to the the jump starters we have on the call here. What um, advice or you know tips do you have for aspiring developers who are seeking to complete like 
developments with these innovative, involved, complex landscape architecture projects. Um, do, do you think that it's something that you need to slowly build up to? Is it something you jump right into? You know, how, how did you kind of get to where you are? And, and what advice would you have for people who are just kind of starting out with real estate development at the lowest level? So as a developer, from the developer's point of view, is that, I mean, you know, I um of course, I've never been a developer, so I mean, my advice is just from what I would think. But you know, I, I think as a if I were starting out as a developer, I'd want to see how my project fits in the larger neighborhood. Mm-hmm. You know, does does the not only does the architecture of the building fit and work with with the neighborhood, but how am I bringing a benefit to to my neighbors and to the surrounding space? And I think it's you know, if we could, if everyone in in our community could try to leave a space better than we found it. I think that's kind of the point of zoning codes like this. It's like, okay, we've, we've lost something. How can we all come together and build it back? And um, I think we've seen a huge, you know, influx of people moving to the city. We've seen, you know, even through the pandemic, we saw lots of commercial spaces opening. The city has like a really great vibe and energy. So it's like, how can we all kind of contribute to that? Um, vision and and keep um, beautifying the city. Yeah, that's great. And can I ask you, like, where would you suggest people learn more about that? Like, if they aren't really sure sort of what the, like, ideal image of the city looks like to the, the community, um, where would you suggest people look? Or, or where should they start learning about it? I, I mean, so learning about the neighborhoods, honestly, there's so many neighborhood, you know, groups that build up our RCOs and, you know, and, and sometimes they can be, you know, hard to work with when we have variances and so forth, but they're also a great source of information to just know, okay, what's the history of this neighborhood? What used to be here? What can, what, what is important? What can we bring back? What can we, um, um, you know, emphasize? Um, I think, to me, that would make the development process fun. I mean, it's it's about making a profit, but it's also about doing something you feel good about. So, um, and I think you know, the aesthetics can really help, and also the biodiversity. So, awesome, great, yeah, biodiversity. I wish we we should have another jump in our just on biodiversity, <laughs> like not even real estate related, right? Um, Derek, can I just jump in real quick? Um, yeah, city planning um, had. I I think it. I know as of. Like last year, it still existed. The um, um, Citizens Planning Institute um, through planning, which was Sarah, I don't know, that still exists, but it was um, they offered all these courses. You, I think you applied, and they took a group of like thirty or forty folks um, throughout different parts of the city, and they kind of um, it was you know maybe similar to the program that you know you're running. I mean, a little bit different, but they went through yeah. the whole zoning process. Yeah, thank you. Um, I think that, and and that's probably one of the best ways. I, I, I had a chance to speak in front of them a couple of times, so um, it was it was amazing, you know, to be able to, you know, you know, I think they had ten or twelve classes on his zoning, on historic preservation, um, you know, uh, stormwater management, all these. So I would I would just uh, have everyone take a look at that. Um, great opportunity, great materials. Great, great point, Brett. Yeah, we even had some like starting out engineers who became involved in that just to okay. give it an education on the zoning code. And so it's really just 
design professionals, just interested, you know, community members, it's, it, it really is a great um, resource for everyone. Awesome. Great. And I'll be sure to send that out as a link in our follow-up email. And I just, I think it still exists. I'm just making yeah. sure. I hope so. <laughs> it definitely does. It looks like their website is active. Okay. Okay. We're good. Um, but yeah. Okay. So that, that wraps up sort of all my questions. I'm going to give it a few minutes here and see if anybody has any Q and a for us tonight. Um, they, they can enter that into the Q and a function on zoom here. Um, but last, I just want to thank you and Brett. Uh, Brett and Sarah for for joining us. This was really, really, really great. Um, I, I love sort of st stepping away from the presentation PowerPoint sort of thing and, and just kind of going back and forth over some questions and you guys gave some great answers. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. This is great. Cool. My pleasure. And uh, we'll definitely give you the contact information or, or they'll let us know who to contact to get involved with your, um, you know, what, whatever your business purposes might be, but we'll, we'll share that out. And um, if there's any other questions people have, feel free to reach out over email and we'll, we'll get them answered. Um, but right now I'm just going to lastly share my screen again and just let people know about our upcoming Jumpinars. So uh, our next event isn't until the 18th of this month. We're having another Jumpstart Think Tank, uh, which is our sort of net networking slash uh, open forum for people to kind of problem solve over real, real estate issues. And um, a lot of our Jumpstarters are there as well as uh, some of the mentors from our program. So it's in person at our office on October 18th. Uh, it's a Wednesday night from seven to nine. So be sure to come out to that. And also be sure to RSVP so we, we know how much pizza to get. Um, but the, the next jump in hour is going to be next month in November on the 8th. And it's with a title company that we work with a lot on a lot of jumpstart projects uh, about understanding HUD-1 and title insurance, which are two documents that obviously we require for, for any loan application or, or loan closing. And uh, it's very confusing. So we're going to talk with the title company about um, the specifics of those documents and how you can navigate them. Uh, so any of these you want to register for, go to jumpstart.com germantown.com slash events and uh, you'll see all the links there and uh, lastly this jump in our recording will be available at jumpstartgermantown.com slash library as well as all of our previous jump in ours um, you know every, everyone we've done virtual will be up there as a recording um, all right so looks like we've never had no questions so that must mean people are really excited for the phillies game and we did a really good job of covering all the the topics so i appreciate you guys and uh, i'll be sure to let you know if anybody follows up with any question all right thanks have a good night all right thanks sarah thanks all the Brett. best everyone have a good one go phils see ya And that concludes my discussion with Sarah Point Dexter and Brett Feldman about landscape architecture, design, and zoning in Philadelphia. The interviews on this program are recorded during Jumpstart Germantown's Jump in Our series, which take place via Zoom webinar on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. If you'd like to participate in the live Q&A with our guest, be sure to head to jumpstartgermantown.com events and register for next week's Jump in Our. If you're interested in starting a Jumpstart program in your own community, visit gojumpstart.org and see our how-to guide and open source training workbook. Thanks so much for listening to the Jumpstart Philly Real Estate Radio Show on Germantown Community Radio, WRGU 92.9 FM, and be sure to tune in next week.